Hi, welcome to another episode of a documentary podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Catherine. And today we are discussing the cinematic treats. <laughs> I'd say they are, yeah. Uh, Sweetgrass and The Biggest Little Farm. They're both documentaries, if you couldn't tell by the name of yes. the show. Both Not... documentaries about farming, too. Yeah, very different takes on it, very different mm-hmm. styles of filmmaking. Um, I think the only similarity is there's a few cute shots of animals in both. Not as much in Sweetgrass, but... Yeah. Anyway, before we start doing that, uh, how are things going? How are you feeling? Pretty good. Feeling good after recording our first episode back or first episode in a while. We're doing them back to back. Yes. So a lot of talking, but it's, it's been going well. Podcast magic. Yes. Um, How about you? I am doing great. I mean, I'm stoked over doing the podcast again. A mm-hmm. uh, lot of irons in the fire right now. A lot of projects I'm working on. Um, still. Just thinking about that dream movie, you know, the movie that I really want to make. Do you have a dream movie you want to make right now? Um, it's weird. I have the time right now, but I think the dream movie I'd want to make is not necessarily feasible to like living in Denver. Mm. Um, still don't know. I think I just need to use this time to figure out what I want to make. Yes. So I meant in that, like, I talked about this last episode, but in this, like, transition sort of pivotal point right now, and it's, like, seeing what I can do with it. Hmm. So hopefully by next recording, there'll be some news on that. Cool. I started outlining my dream film right now. Oh, cool. I'm hesitant to talk too much about it, but I'm inspired by this book that I read called Fully Automated Luxury Communism. Hmm. <laughs> and I read it with um, seeing that documentary I talked about last time about automated cars and stuff. And it's making me really interested in technology and its potential emancipatory powers if we set up a, a society to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking about how to articulate that into a film. So right now I just have a title and an outline. And the title in my head is like, reveries and utopia but i'm not sure yet yeah i don't know how much i should say about it on the podcast but that's the dream film right now uh it's going to take a lot it's going to be a lot of work it's going to take a lot of interviews but i have a pretty clear vision on how to do it um in a way that's like interesting rather than just being about the issue um so we'll see. I'm starting with doing a little short film that I'm shooting in mid-March, uh, interviewing this like, you know, this guy who has a popular podcast and does like a uh, history of like the labor movement and of communism in the United States. And uh, so I'm going to start with him and we're going to make a little short film about uh, late capitalism and explore that a little bit. Um, and we'll see a lot of things a lot of things to do <laughs> but with that um, what have you been watching Um, so I talked in the episode, last episode most of what we're going to do an episode on 
maybe next week um, or upcoming. And I really enjoyed that one. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's another example of someone like telling their own story and yeah, her own story just ends up being quite important um, historically too. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to say too much in case we end up doing an episode on it, but it's on Amazon Prime. I'd highly recommend watching it. Yeah, Sorry, I, personal, I... like the personal story of, oh, I'll kind of start that over. It's sort of, where was I going to go with this? Um, it's her personal view of the one child policy in China. Mm-hmm. And the, the specifically from the village she grew up in. Yeah, I'm interested to see that. I I watched her other film, uh, Hooligan Sparrow, and I thought that that was really well done. Um, yeah, we'll definitely talk about it next time. I meant to watch it today, and then I, <laughs> I just got, who knows, who knows where I went in my head today. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what happened today. I'm not even gonna lie. So for me, um, I watched Anthropocene: The Human Epoch. Is that, how you, is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Anthropocene, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, How Humans Have Impacted the Planet is a subtitle. I'm not going to say too much about it again. It's from the same people that put out another one of my favorite films called Manufactured Landscapes. And they just make these sweeping, epic documentaries that are just really, really interesting. And we should do a whole episode about that. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. anything else about it. Everyone should go watch it. It's on Canopy right now. I'm sure you could find it on like iTunes and stuff. Um, the other one I watched on Canopy was the newest Errol Morris film about Steve Bannon. How is that? I've heard mixed stuff about it. Yeah, so it's called American Dharma. Um, here's the deal. I was talking to one of my friends who's also interested in politics. He's the guy I'm making the documentary with mm-hmm. that I just mentioned in mid-March. Uh, so the interesting thing about this film is I think Errol Morris thinks that he... Errol Morris is really great at talking to neoliberal politicians who put on big wars and stuff and challenging them when he, cause he's on that level. But Steve Bannon is another story. Like Steve Bannon is, I think has a really fucked up view on some really important issues that he has, right? Like he knows the working class people are, you know, in a rough spot. And they're angry and he knows why they're angry. And he sounds like he's saying a lot of the right things, but then he turns it into this reactionary racist, like garbage, you know? And I don't think Errol Morris like understands the working class anger. So I think that it just made the interview like seem like Steve Bannon was besting him, which is crazy because Errol Morris, you're just usually like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And on this one, I just don't think he knows how to talk about working class politics because Errol Morris is not a working class political person. Hmm. You know, he so it kind of was a bummer because I think that when I was watching it, I was just like, man, the questions that Errol Morris is asking and how he's asking them are just like it was so toothless to me. And I feel like. Anyway, yeah. It was a good movie, though. I think everybody should watch it. Unless you're, like, inclined to, like, kind of go towards the right wing, then it might, you know, 
<laughs> might reinforce your beliefs. So a stop listening to our podcast uh, and B do not watch this movie and maybe go read a book about like the history of like, uh, you know, uh, immigration in the United States or something. <laughs> and like get mad at the right people don't get mad at immigrants and shit like be mad at the billionaires and stuff that like steve bannon gets all of his money from to do all his weird political shit that he does Mm -hmm. so anyway i'm not gonna say too much else about it i don't think i I would do a whole episode about it because it would just be me basically just saying the same thing over and over again um but yeah maybe it's worth watching but i also think that um it, it kind of just it doesn't make Errol Morris feel like he knows the subject matter is all. Um, I would like to see a conversation between like Noam Chomsky and Steve Bannon, like somebody who could like <laughs> yeah. really put him in his place. <laughs> um, anyway, with that said, uh, let's move on to today's films. This is where the yes. music starts. Bom, 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 bom. All right, so today's films are Sweetgrass and uh, The Biggest Biggest Little Farm. Farm. (laughs) I almost forgot the name of it. Yeah. Uh, So let's start out with uh, the synopsis um, for Biggest Little Farm. Okay. Um, So Biggest Little Farm came out last year. Um, and it's about a. It follows a couple through their successes and failures as they're developing a sustainable farm outside Los Angeles. Um, and they aren't people who come from a farming background, so they're learning as they're going and dealing with challenges basically every day as they're. That come. Well, we'll just stop there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the. Uh, I mean, yeah. The. The uh, Wikipedia synopsis is literally just a a couple are followed through their successes and failures as they work to develop a sustainable farm on 200 acres outside of Los Angeles over the years. The desolate they purchase begins to thrive and it's transformed. Man, that's weird. That does not seem like the film I watched. But no, I guess I think, the, I think the first part is definitely about it, but it's about, yeah, people who have never farmed starting a farm and trying mm-hmm. to be as sustainable and what's that word? Um, bringing it back to how like the ecosystem should be returning to how we used to farm, not this like mass production that the industry has become today. Mm. Yeah, so my initial thoughts whenever I saw this film were I think I texted you when I was like maybe like 10 minutes into it. Like, oh, I hate this. (laughs) Yep. I was like, I'm hating this so much. It's too cute. There's animation. You're like, what is this? Like a PBS kids program sort of thing? I wrote down like wildfires to open, music and voiceover, harmony versus domination, and cameraman slash vlogger. And I think I wrote that down specifically to... Um, point out how the cinematography in this film was so well done. Like it was insane. That's the standout part. Yeah. Of the film. And I think that it, whenever they said that 
he was a cameraman i was like oh okay <laughs> that makes sense he used to be yeah na- was it animal planet or discovery mm-hmm. videographer or cinematographer and it it shows yeah and i think i wrote down i hate the animation i just didn't enjoy that part of it um and i think that yep. that's about where i was hating it but then something turned for me and i thought that it became something really interesting I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit. Like, how did you feel when it started? Like, when it first started, I, in general, don't like animation. So it was kind of hard to get into. And like the videography inside the house, you're like, okay, what is this? This is almost too perfect that they they have money for a farm. Mm -hmm. Is this just going to be some idealistic version of farming and cuteness? Like, yeah, my first note was cute, Mm. which usually is not how I would describe a film I enjoy Um, (laughs) and so but then there was a turning point I think once it started to get more real and we were seeing the challenges they were facing every day and they were completely vulnerable Mm -hmm. and transparent about how ignorant they were about farming like they're just reading books um, to figure it out that's when I think I got hooked and just this idea of people being taken outside their comfort zone and trying something new um, was one aspect I really enjoyed of it. Yeah, and I think uh, so. After the animation part, I, my notes after that are Todd is so sweet because uh, <laughs> Todd was awesome, and I put I hate the intro to their story, <laughs> and then uh, I put giant egg farms slash dead bees, which is something that you know we've seen in a lot of films like Factory Farming. We've all seen Food Inc. We've all seen Eating Animals. We've all seen. You do not have enough storage. Uh oh. Um, let me delete something real quick. Okay. Unless we can stop the video there on that one. Um, I mean, if you want to keep see. it going. Um, what can I delete? Okay, I'll delete that. Cool. Mine's still going. Um, what can I? I'm making my microphone peak. Let's see what that did. It's hard because... That is the phone problem. (laughs) When I record on my... It's... When I record on... Recording two hours is a lot. Yeah.
Let's see if this helps. Okay. So that's this way. The angle may change slightly. <laughs> yeah, so then we get to talking about all the factory farms. Oh, yeah. Should probably for you to record. Okay, it's recording now. So yeah, then we get to all the factory farm stuff, and I'm like, okay, I've seen this before. We've seen food ink. We've seen mm-hmm. you know eating animals. We've seen all the movies. But then the Alan York character comes in. And that's when I really started to like. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally wrote Alan York, and then my next note was, I'm starting to love this movie. <laughs> I do think it was like a bit of an unfair depiction of him, though. Yeah. I was expecting his story to be completely different. Like they almost presented it like Mm. foreshadowing that he was going to undermine the farm somehow or Mm. I don't know, do something wrong. Um, That's definitely not what happens. Um, It actually takes a very different turn. It did kind Um, of feel like it was going to do that, huh? Like I come to, so to be fair, we were supposed to record this episode a while ago. So we're both coming in to this like, with our notes, but having not uh-huh. watched it in a little while. So if there's like details were fuzzy on, you know, um, mm-hmm. bummer. But I do remember feeling like that while watching it. Like, oh, what's this guy going to do? Like how? What are is- his, his motives didn't seem right, even though yeah. he basically saved their farm. Yeah. And then you kind of end up just finding out that he just really loves farming. And mm-hmm. he really helped them with their biodiversity and like yes. diversifying the farm. And like, that's when I started to love the movie and whenever they started to kind of like actually like make the farm work and hearing about all this stuff. And then, um, do you remember who Emma was? Was Emma? Is that the pig? Okay. Yeah. Emma. Yeah. So I put Emma making her bed and the bath part. And then, the fruit basket and diversifying the farm and, and, uh, you know, Emma's sick and having babies. And then Emma comes oh, back. Oh, so eat. sad. I, yeah. I also wrote down, there was a great friendship between, um, Emma, the pig and the rooster. Mm-hmm. So like the rooster gets kicked out. This is, there's a lot of like parallel stories to this one. Um, but the rooster gets kicked out is not accepted by the roosters anymore. Mm. And then, it goes to live with the pig and they like, and she's sad because she just had to give up all of her babies and they form this like really touching friendship um, and learn to cohabitate or yeah, cohabitate together. Yeah. Um, which I think is what a lot of the film is about too. It's yeah. like unlikely connections um, and how one thing can help another. 
Absolutely. I liked that part a lot. And then the things that really started to win me over were just kind of, you know, the facts of like, there's all these like little moments, all these animals and stuff, which Mm -hmm. I'm not going to really be able to refer to right now because it's been a while since I've seen it, but the bigger themes, like the getting into the life and death cycle and showing like how hard it is to farm and like losing all these lives and like, um, and, and just the fact that like I wrote down capitalism and farming continue to be at odds. Cause like one of my favorite things to argue or not favorite, but one of my go-to arguments is that, um, whenever people talk about how perfect capitalism is, I'm just like, mm, well, the one, one place it does not work is food and farming. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we're destroying, you know, the land to produce these giant amounts of food. We waste billions of dollars of food every year. It's completely totally inefficient and none of these farms could even be profitable without government subsidies which is just inherently a proof that like it just doesn't work as a capitalist mode of production and that's always been at odds which is why you know capitalists like uh really thrived under industrialization and i think that just by showing this like little farm and like this whole you know system working together like this and like all of the bad and the good and everything coming together just kind of shows um it's just kind of like the light it's just life you know and i think that that's when i started enjoying the film more is like whenever you just started putting it in the greater context of just life in general because a lot of the uh, messages um and themes of the film i think can be applied to things not just farming just much outside of it um like, I really took away that you need to solve problems more creatively. Yes. And it's okay if your first solution is not the right one. And often, it's just changing your perspective and mm-hmm. seeing your problem maybe not as a problem, but as a way to work more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go through this process about killing the coyotes, and he feels very guilty about it. And instead, it, like, sets off this chain reaction of, like, well, if we don't want to kill the coyotes what else can we put in yes stop that and then that leads to something else and then something else so good Um, so good and you're like wow that can apply to my own life like i shouldn't see my problems as just a a problem it's like it can maybe benefit me in many ways totally and i think that's like the bigger thing about this film that made me love it so much is like yeah it starts out seeming like it's going to be this cutesy thing and then it turns into this like you know depressing like farming film Mm -hmm. their farm is like totally super hard to work out but there's this like change later on it's i think it's shortly after the the climate change and the droughts and fires they're talking about like all the fires that happen and then they come back and it's like all of alan's ideas that he gave them are starting to work and i just literally wrote snails ducks trees (laughs) and they solve like a lot of these problems and like and and by embracing you know um the divert the biodiversity and all of a sudden like all the things start working in this place just becomes amazing and uh i wrote down observations and how to fix things and creativity you know um so yeah it was beautiful i don't know mm-hmm. it's a very <laughs> uplifting film and i'll say like it's a great documentary for those who don't aren't it as into documentaries or like some of the ones we often talk about are quite serious or mm not as like plot driven but this one is a good heartwarming yeah it's inspirational yeah inspirational is a good word like there are hard parts but then you really like 
you start to learn from their learning you know what I mean and like mm-hmm. and you can apply it like you said to your own life just whatever you're doing like mm-hmm. us as filmmakers like this is a huge lesson that we have to learn every film we make has problems you know mm-hmm. like we have bad audio on this part so next time we learn okay we're not going to do that we're going to try it like this and like this time we have terrible lighting in that scene so okay next time I need to make sure I have some lighting over here and like I'll you know, blah 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 every single film is like learning the process and trying the people that are good filmmakers are the ones who learn and get creative with every single shoot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I just think that that was the cool thing about the film, but yeah, I mean, I don't have much else to say about it. I think people should watch it. It's a fun yeah. movie to watch. Uh, there's sad parts, but it's mostly just inspirational and I think it's mm-hmm. very heart- I'd say very uplifting overall. Yeah. It's heartwarming for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so let's end it on a downer note. Um Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a downer. It's definitely like my favorite style of film. It's Me too. Verite, no. Or it's an ethnography film. Um Yeah, Verite this is style, but it's it's the rough very rough side of farming. Yeah. And this is like um. Um, I'm gonna get the. I have a bit of so, a summary. I think I found. Yeah. So this is part of the sensory ethnography project. Uh, through who does that project? I'm forgetting. Harvard. Now. Yeah, through Harvard, and it came out in 2009. And um, do you want to read the synopsis? Sure. Um, an anthropologist takes or follows modern day farmers as they lead their flock of sheep up into Montana's I don't know how to pronounce this but I'll try Absaroka Beartooth Mountains um, and that journey takes over three months over 150 miles and they're the last group of farmers to do this yeah so and I think maybe I've read since then that they don't even do this anymore no they don't I think yeah. that was the reason it took them like several years to film Um, but the, one of the reasons he wanted to do it is to preserve and have documentation of this way of life because it, yeah, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And it's kind of understandable why. Yeah. When you watch this. So Sweetgrass is, like we said, part of the sensory ethnography project, uh, through Harvard. And one of the things that I love about this style of filmmaking is it's so like, so first off, this was 2009. So digital cameras do not look great in this time i think it was shot on film was it shot on film most of the pretty much all the um sensory ethnography films are shot on film that's crazy because so i think this may have been shot on film this looks like digital to me but i could be wrong maybe this one is an exception but yeah i could be wrong but this looks like 2009 digital cameras yeah it kind of (laughs) does but also it could be bad processing i don't know um but with that said, the actual cameras don't look great to me. Um, but the cinematography is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like every shot is framed so beautifully. The film unfolds like so delicately. Um, the first thing lots is the... of wide shots, which I really appreciate. You get yeah. a very good sense of place yes. and the relationship between the animals and I'll call them cowboys because they're basically cowboys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are cowboys. Like, yeah. Um, and it's really interesting 
uh, film and I love, okay. So this is, uh, the consensus on Metacritic. I don't really usually read these, but I do like this consensus. It says, it says, uh, at once tender and unsentimental Sweetgrass gracefully captures the beauty and hardships of a dying way of life. That's very accurate. I know, right? And it's you don't usually get like uh, the the consensus like uh, on Metacritic like that. that, Like, sorry, it talks a bit about that like push and pull between do you kind of sympathize or like connect with the cowboys, or are you more on the side of the animals? Because there's points where they say some like horrific things to their horses Mm -hmm. and to the sheep, and they're like very rough people but then there's moments right after and i think it's so perfectly edited that shows their humanity um it's further in the film but like during one of the pivotal points the sheep go missing the dogs it gets chaotic and then he one of the cowboys ends up calling his mother Mm -hmm. and you slowly start to sympathize more with him and i just loved sort of the relationship between those two things of how you feel about the people and how you feel about what they're doing. Yeah. And I think one thing that I love about the style of filmmaking that like is the opposite of biggest little farm is biggest little farm really is trying to paint a narrative and like really taking like narrative style filmmaking and like making a story out of their lives that might not, even though they do show hardships, you know, I still feel like it probably doesn't represent the actual feeling of being there and living that life, you know? Um, whereas Sweetgrass is just like brutally like here's life. So some of the things that I wrote down were like solitude, cold Montana, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. but it is very solitary there and it's quiet and you know, you're have all these mountains around you and, and it just, the f- movie feels cold in these moments you feel it, you know, and I love that sense of place that you get. And then it just like goes into this scene where they're shearing the sheep and it's so tedious and you just like feel like you're in that place with all these loud noises like ruining I wrote this that like down yeah too. i wrote machinery yeah. yeah and it's like these human beings just like roughly handing these animals just like shaving all their you know and then throwing them in these like little holes and you're just like ah oh. it's like it's like humans like uh fighting the mm-hmm. And I feel like the difference between seagrass and the biggest little farm is these people are fighting the wild because they need this like for survival. This is like their careers. This is where they grew up. You know, well, I put that this is their livelihood. Whereas the exactly. other one, the animals are cute. It's like a fun experiment. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. At first it's kind of hard to watch how roughly they handle the animals. Cause at first it opens with like, Oh, cute shots of sheep. And then it quickly transitions or not quickly, but within the pace of this film quickly, Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, no, this is how they live. They don't view the sheep as animals or like living creatures. They see it as their livelihood. Yeah. And it's definitely not glorified or like mm-hmm. made cute at all. Yeah. Which I appreciate because it's like, yeah. I think it gives you a better sense of this. Like it doesn't make me want to go out and be a farmer all of a sudden, which I think somebody might watch Biggest Little Farm and go like, oh, I want to go do a farm. Well, I want to do that. I think that's what my mom said about it. It's yeah. like the Instagram, you know, problem. It's like you watch this and like, even though they show the hard stuff, it's like glossed over, you know, mm-hmm. by all this like beautiful, like this is just kind of like 
there's a scene where they're rolling out the grass. Like, I just love the way they shot that, first of all, just like being on the tractor and just like the shot that they got. Yeah. And I, found, oh, sorry. I just wrote down the machines are so loud and obtrusive, tractor and shearing. And then it goes back to like the nature of like the wind and the sheep and the, you know, they're making their sounds. And then, and then it goes to the humans and they're washing their dishes and, mm-hmm. you know, just like, I just love I felt like I was there in a lot of ways well that's what's great is like often films less so documentaries but like won't include the mundane or like the day-to-day life aspects and like what you're describing is those things and like Mm -hmm. that's what shapes a full understanding or a full picture of a place is when you can see all those little elements that you would normally think aren't important but actually give you an understanding or make you feel like you're actually in that place. And I think that film does like a really good job of showing all that. So you feel like you're there. Yeah. Plus the, I feel like it's really vulnerable and brave for a filmmaker to be able to do that and to do so. shoot everything. Yeah. And to just let a scene breathe and Mm -hmm. know that some people are going to be like, Oh, this is boring. I'm out. Because whenever you connect with a movie like this, like, I feel like it's so much more powerful because, like, I feel like a movie like Biggest Little Farm, you watch it and you're like, oh, that was an interesting story. That was cool. And, like, I had a lot of feels, you know. But then you kind of, like, I honestly rarely think about that film. I've only been thinking about it because we've been like, hey, let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's uh, talk about it in the podcast. And uh, honestly, I'd, that would probably be just be a film I watched, felt good when I watched it, and then it's done. Sweetgrass, I watched it years ago for the first time. Mm-hmm probably like 2009 2010 and i think this came out in 2009 so i probably saw it in 2010 2011 and i that movie just stuck with me i just it every time i see the poster like i just invoke something that's mm-hmm. like oh that movie like hit me in a deep place that i don't really know how to articulate it feels almost a bit like lyrical or like mm-hmm. in some sort of way but i i totally agree with you because it's like i when I think of the movie, it's like, I think of like how I felt while watching it. Yes. And sort of like the beauty and the stillness, even though that's not what their life was like, that film felt that way to me while watching it. Um, and like just being brought back to certain moments that really stuck out for me. Like I loved all the night scenes Yes. when you can hear him whistling or sort of singing and it's, yeah, you can almost like feel like you're back in that scene, even though I haven't watched this in like six months, probably. Mm-hmm. I even wrote down the frustration of trying to control the wind. I feel like it's just this human yeah. thing where we're constantly frustrated because we can't control everything around us, you know. And I forgot exactly what was happening there because, again, it was a while since I watched it. Mm-hmm. But um, but I loved the night shots when they were utilizing the fire. Um, I specifically remember those. And then the night whenever they were trying to shoot the bear was it they were trying to shoot a bear yes yeah they were trying to get a bear away from killing all their sheep was that what it was yeah 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 and so the way that that whole thing unfolded was so intense because it's so it builds you know and then those like intense moments Mm -hmm. are just so much more intense because there's a similar scene in biggest little farm that they play up the emotion behind it. And it is like, you know, for me as a vegan animal rights activist, like, sure. Like, you know, I care about animals and stuff, but I also come from like a, you know, 
how did I describe it? Like a working class background and like understanding that like this is an experiment. This is not an experiment for these guys. This mm-hmm. is like their life and their careers and their livelihoods. And it's not just like this fun thing they're trying, you know, because whenever they could go back to being vloggers and, and, you know, cameramen, you know, um, like this is like their actual job. (laughs) This isn't just like a fun, like upper middle class, like thing to go try, you know? Um, so that makes that whole scene, the stakes are so much higher you know? Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I wrote down, seems like these dudes hate the sheep. <laughs> Cause that frustration really comes out. They're just like, Oh yeah. I wrote down crude language. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're just Real so cowboys. Yeah. They're just really pissed off cause they, you know, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily romantic or anything. I'm just saying that like, mm-hmm. you kind of understand it, the humanity of it, you know? Um, Definitely the humanity of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm one who's like, you know, well, stop farming animals. And (laughs) yeah, but that's like the, that's like the more, you know, growing up in the city person coming out Mm -hmm. rather than like the part of me that really understands that like when your livelihood and your identity are so wrapped up in something, it's, it's hard to like imagine leaving it behind. And I know these guys eventually had to, um, but it, that's kind of the heartbreaking thing though, is like you see industrialization come in and like, you know, ruin these like quieter existences. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love this movie. I So do I, I really want to rewatch it again. It's one, it is longer and does take a second to get into the pacing of it mm-hmm. but like it's so worthwhile and like it does like as we're saying it sticks with you just like watch it on a cold day when you're feeling meditative and have some green yes. tea or some coffee and and it'll it'll do some stuff to you mm-hmm. and just like live in it you know it's like one of those films you just have to live in you can't just watch it like passively you just mm-hmm. have to like kind of live in it and yeah, be put ready your phone away. <laughs> yeah you're gonna have to be ready for like five minute shots of sheep you know <laughs> yeah who and went sounds of wind like just embrace it live in it um but that's the best part it's like once you get to that and you're starting to get it in the rhythm of the film you appreciate those like still moments more mm-hmm. um it just allows you to think about what's going on and feel what's going on as well yeah so I would say, I know I criticize The Biggest Little Farm a lot, but I would say both of these films, I'm going to give it a watch it. Oh, completely. But I'm going to say Sweetgrass is like a must watch. Like you have to see it. It's, I think it's a documentary classic. I think hope, I think people still talk about it. I hope they do for a long time. And I think the sensory ethnography idea, like I love it. And I think that we should embrace that style of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Biggest Little Farm, I say, see it. You know, it's a good like it's eight yeah. o'clock, nine o'clock at night. You want something to watch to keep you up. It's a good film. To yeah. Do that. You want to watch a documentary that's inspiring and fun to watch and has ups and downs, but it'll take you on a journey. Like it's definitely more of like a movie movie, <laughs> whereas yeah. Sweetgrass is more of like an experience. It's well, it's anthropology, basically. Yeah, exactly. Film yeah. So ethnography. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for it. I'm here for the ethnography. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well. 
I think we're going to wrap this one up. Yes. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of A Documentary Podcast. You can find us at adocumentarypodcast.com. And on Instagram at a documentary podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Joshua Labure. And I'm at CMS Moments. And the music is by Timothy DeCans, which I forgot to say it in the last episode, but that's who did the music. And uh, should we talk yeah. about what we're going to maybe watch for next week? I say we do Anthropocene. Anthropocene? Okay. And then eventually we'll do what's streaming on Netflix and yes. Amazon. Yes. I forgot we were going to do that. Yeah, let's yeah. do let's do that. So those ones, too. if you want to watch them, so you know what we're talking about, uh, One Child Nation is on Amazon. Um, the other ones, my list. Inside Bill's Brain and Sugar... The, wait, something of Sugarland. Um, oh, Tell Me Who I Am. Also Netflix and Ghosts of Sugarland. Yes, Ghost of Sugar Lane. I can't wait to talk about that. All right. Well, we'll see you. See everybody in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. America.